Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. As always, thank you for the great introduction by Nicole Thompson and the wonderful and awesome intro music by our guy, Mike Regina, even though JT Thompson, JT, does not want me to give them credit, but let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How are you feeling today? Wow. What do you want me to say after that? You throw me under the bus, reverse, go for it again. Like, what do you want me to say? I I don't know. Please don't say anything. I wish you didn't say anything. I don't know what's going on with you today. I sense that you're you're upset. You're agitated. So I think this actually might be a decent performance by you today. I haven't seen you this upset since um, flag football. So I don't I don't know what's going on, but we're going to find out because I feel like some of these questions might piss you off. So can we start? I'm all smiles. Let's start. All right. So, of course, you know, we're going to talk about NBA free agency, but we have to start in Brooklyn. So as we all know by now, KD requested a trade after Kyrie opted into his last year of his contract with the Nets. Plus, the Nets did not make a move for sign and trade of Kyrie. So this posed an interesting question that I want to ask you. Did Brooklyn essentially choose Kyrie over KD? Why are you even asking this question? This is the epitome of a JT question. Who in the world is thinking that they picked Kyrie over KD? You are just asking this to create drama. So, all right, well, we'll create some drama here as if the Brooklyn Nets and KD and Kyrie needed any more drama. All right, listen, first, it was KD's idea to bring Kyrie in, all right? So I don't know if he wants to play basketball with him or not anymore, but it doesn't matter because Kyrie opted in, JT, to the 22-23 season with Brooklyn, right? He opted into his contract. It is not like Brooklyn – it's not like it was a team option and Brooklyn picked up the option, JT. Like Brooklyn's hands were tied here – because it goes back to when they originally signed Kyrie on the contract because KD wanted Kyrie. So their hands were tied here. It was a player option. So, I mean, how is Brooklyn picking him over KD? Plus, there were no takers on a sign-and-trade, right? Brooklyn was looking to move him in a sign-and-trade move. And the Nets have consistently and always have put KD first, right? KD comes in. Who do you want? Oh, I got to bring, we got to bring on Kyrie. Okay. Now let's go trade for Harden. Oh, let's give a four year, $40 million deal to, to who? DeAndre Jordan. Cause KD wants DeAndre Jordan with him playing in Brooklyn. So JT, they have done everything KD has wanted. KD and Kyrie and Harden didn't produce a title and the Nets are not choosing Kyrie over KD. It was up to the to the Brooklyn Nets, they'd keep KD 
and move Kyrie, but they just can't right now. Well, let me take it one step further. Why do you think KD wants a trade? Well, I think, I don't know if we hit upon this last show. I do think KD saw what happened with Golden State, saw the way they run their organization, knew he messed up, and now needs a new beginning. Whether that's Kyrie coming with him or not, he looks at the Brooklyn organization, looks at the players around him, and is like, hmm, I don't think we have enough firepower to win, and I don't know what else Brooklyn can do. So let me try to go to some somewhere where I can compete with Golden State right off the bat. And to answer your question directly then, in addition to what I just said, I do feel a little bit, JT, even KD's a little fed up with Kyrie because I don't know if he feels like he can trust them when push comes to shove and he needs them for a whole season there, including the playoffs. You see, I told you he's upset today. He actually is going to give you a guy's a good performance. So I, I just might let him rant on for the next hour. Uh, can we do a Colin Coward style? Is that what you want? I know you've been clamoring for a show, a solo show by yourself. You just might get it today. I want that monologue to open the show. Can I get that once? <laughs> you got to earn that. I, wow. I agree. After 109 episodes, I haven't earned it, man. Forget Ooh, about getting it. up there at age. Forget, forget about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I agree. I do think Golden State plays heavily into this. Because every time that uh, that KD is in a situation where somebody else wins a championship, all that pressure just seems to just find its way to him. And I, Golden State is the worst. Anybody but them to win a title this year is what he's thinking in his head. And, of course, they win it. They come back from being injured, left or dead as a dynasty, and they do it without me. So that just invalidates my career even more in his mind. So I do think the pressure is on him to say, okay, like you said, he can't trust Kyrie, but now every move that I make can't be lateral. It's got to be championship or bust. And I think that's why he wanted out of Brooklyn because it's obvious they're not going to win a championship there. It's sad because those two are super talented, and I think they could make it work with a Ben Simmons and some other pieces. But like you said, I don't think he trusts Kyrie, and it's got to be 90% I think I'm going to win a championship there for him to stay. So with that being said, where do you think each of those guys will play next year? To start the season, I think both in Brooklyn. I think they're going to both start the season in Brooklyn, and this is why. The Brooklyn Nets have made it clear, which I kind of agree with them, that they're in no rush to move KD unless they get an all-star or a star, you know, key player to the deal, right? That's probably 25 and under and get multiple first-round draft picks. And right now, with NBA draft happening, free agency just opening up, there's no major injuries, there's not a lot of cap room, JT. So all of that right there narrows it down. Forget KD's list. So I think they're in no rush. And you're also looking, because of the cap, to a three-team deal. And right now, who would be willing to take on like a Russell Westbrook if you try to move KD to the Lakers? Who is willing to take on some of these other contracts, you know, maybe like a Kyle Lowry contract if he wants to go to the Heat? Like, who's going to want to make that deal? And I think that, you, you know, other things are happening too. Are Phoenix, is Phoenix going to give up a Devin Booker? 
the heat to give up Bam out of bio means the Nets have to move Ben Simmons because you can't have two players on your roster that you traded for that are on a rookie max extension. Ben Simmons already is. So if you bring Bam in, that means Simmons has to go. So there's so many different pieces that nothing is fitting into place right now. And I don't know if that clears up over the next three or four months until the season gets underway. There's injuries. Teams make a run. Teams are falling out of contention. Jobs are on the line. Hey, last ditch effort. Let's go get Kyrie. Let's go get uh, Kevin Durant. So I see them to start the season in Brooklyn. Now, if anything changes, I'm going to, I originally said Boston, that's not going to happen anymore. So since you want to keep playing this prediction game every week, let's play it. Kevin Durant, where does he go? I think right now the lead team would be the Toronto Raptors. They have the young players if they need to move them, such as a Scotty Barnes could be the, the centerpiece. And then they have all of their first round picks over the next three or four years. And they probably can throw in a piece here or there like a Chris Boucher or something like that. All right, do that same thing and make a case for Kyrie where he should play or where he will play if, let's say, by the All-Star break or before Christmas, they can move him. Man, that's that's a tough one. I, I think he almost has to come in some sort of package deal and or a three-team trade. I mean, I don't know. I, I'll do that. I'll say this. I'll say this. Maybe Pat Riley always finds a way. Maybe the heat. Boom. And I can live with that. And I told you guys he was pissed off. And I and I just let him How talk. How am I pissed off? I'm, he, I'm happy he, to I, be I, here. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. But he came in with fire today, so I let him have his opening monologue, his soliloquy, whatever. That's not he wants an opening. That's not an opening Bro, monologue. You, you have you have dominated this opening question, and I'm I'm here for it. You're 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 no, doing you're a not. good job. You're setting me up for something. <laughs> See, that's how he views me. He's he's nervous that I got some master plan behind the scenes. You, you can't keep giving me that much credit for everything. I will say this: I'm inclined to agree with you because. I feel like as soon as free agency opened, everybody that could be a big enough piece to move for KD or Kyrie, boom, all automatically got signed to the Supermax with their teams. So that took out a lot of people that a lot of teams that were available when you got guys like Devin Booker, Cat, Zion, like guys that are already signing their Supermax deals with their teams that they're currently on. So where, like you said, where, where do those pieces come from? Like it becomes much more complicated. I feel like, okay, who's even available to be traded? You know, John Moran even signed a deal. So the fact that those guys, everybody basically that, that they would trade for got locked up says Brooklyn lost even more leverage. And now they're more incentivized to keep KD and Kyrie. Like, why would I give them up when there's no way I can get legitimate value for them in return? And I can't even necessarily go after players that I would want personally. So I do agree with you. I think they'll end up in Brooklyn. Hence why I think I read today. Brooklyn is saying they are preparing and doing all these offseason moves as if KD and Kyrie will be there next year. And I believe it will happen. But let's go ahead and play that devil's advocate game. I do think if somehow they can pull it off, I think Kyrie goes to the Lakers. I think Braun is the only one that wants to put up with his shit. So I think he'll end up there. And then KD, I, just, I think he can't help himself. He's a runner. He's going to go. I think he's going to try to find a way to go back to the Warriors. So if they're not playing in Brooklyn, those are the two teams I see them going to. Well, that was going to be my question to you. Do you see him going to the Warriors? Obviously, you think so. But this is my question. 
They want, yeah, I do. They want him, and they the players him. have already reached out to him. But it seems but, like it's it's water under the bridge. All is yep. forgiven, and I yep. think they know they know what's on the line in Golden State at an all time perspective. They're chasing the greatest dynasties like Bulls, Celtics, and things like that. If KD comes back, they know it's game over, and KD right. knows. It, it's it's time to stat pad and get titles. Otherwise, there's no way I get into that top 10 all-time conversation. But let me let me ask you this. If you're the warrior or if you're him, do you really want to go back in terms of as soon as there's some friction, as soon as there's a, a losing streak, as soon as there's any sort of adversity, does Draymond go back to – we won it before you got here. And oh, now we've won it after. We won before. No, I, we don't need I think I think before does Katie want to go through that because we know how it gets in his I don't court. think he'll I don't think he'll go through it because I think the first time it happened, nobody expected that would ever happen because I think they thought either Draymond would defer to the star or Steph would step up and kind of smooth things out. I don't think people realized how big of a voice Draymond is when you bring someone else into that formula that's not used to it working that way. I think they've matured and I think they'll understand their roles when they come back. And I think Draymond, Draymond will be the bigger person. Like if Draymond wasn't on board with Katie coming back and it wasn't squashed, I don't even think these rumors come out about Warriors players wanting him to come back. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. But JT, we never thought it would even get to that point last time. And now you're saying it's not going to get to this point again, but well, hey, look, you I never use, know I use, because I now the there's even line. more. Listen, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me All three right, times. Well, you know what J. Cole said. Well, well, then KD is is he gonna be playing himself again? Because you know, Draymond in the heat of the moment, if cameras in his face, if they're in a losing streak or KD's not producing, Draymond's gonna go back to will, we don't I need you. We did this before and after you. I will say this last point, and we'll move on to the next topic. I, I have not seen Draymond due to kd due due to somebody else what he did to kd while he was there i've seen him mature in that way with younger teammates and other teammates on that team so i think draymond has probably grown up and i think that's going to be the difference okay well we'll see so speaking of other players all right there have been there have been plenty of reports regarding super max contracts being offered by teams so let's get to some opinions on them. Can't wait to hear what JT says about some of these. All right. So best move of a Supermax, either from the player perspective or a team perspective. I'm going to say this again. I told you guys he was upset. He's coming from my neck today. So, I mean, I'm scared. I'm going to go with both team and player. It's Jokic and the Nuggets. I mean, how could you not say the best move was signing the reigning back-to-back MVP? And especially for Denver, because it's a small market team. I look at them at the same way I look at the Bucks. It worked wonders for them. They had a homegrown talent like Giannis. They signed him. They got him to stay. And look what it's done for their team. It's allowed other players to want to go there. They're all, their championship window is always open. So you look at Denver, it's very difficult for them to get players there, if not via the draft. Like, that's the only way they get stars there is they draft them. And now you sign in a guy like Jokic, that just means – you guys have a championship window that stays open. And also it's a potential for other free agents to choose Denver as a destination in the future. So locking up the back-to-back MVP is an easy move. 
yeah, I think it's an easy move. So that's why I'm not sure it's the best move. It's the easiest move because they had to. If they let them walk, they get criticized. But again, I don't know, JT. Guys are not flocking free agents. KD's not asking to be traded there. So while, yeah, it's the easy move, I don't think it's the best because I, I really don't think – I don't think it draws the big-time free agents. The, the best move by a team was signing Devin Booker by the Phoenix Suns. Again, probably had to be done, but he only turns 26 in October, four years, $224 million. I think four years was the most they could do at the time. Like, they had to do it, but it was the best move. I think this guy is going to be a superstar. He, he already is in the NBA, but he's going to take it to the next level. Phoenix, a destination spot that players in the past are willing to go to. You've seen Charles Barkley, Amari Stoudemire, Chris Paul now there. Devin Booker is going to draw that, those sort of caliber players there. And I think Phoenix, great move. The player side, JT, is Bradley Beal. You're turning 29. This is your last big money grab, and you got the Supermax, the flex of them all. Five years, $251 million. I don't care where you're playing. If it's in the United States and you're making that money in the NBA, forget about it. I, I don't care what team it is with. Would you five leave, years, $251 million. Would you leave this team for five years, $251 million? Would I leave this team? Yeah. Did you leave? Would you leave this podcast for five years, two hundred and fifty-one million? Well, you're. I, I don't understand the question. They don't relate. They're, I'm just asking. Like, would you? Would you leave? Would you leave doing this show for a five-year, two hundred and fifty million dollar deal somewhere else? Bro, I don't make anything doing. I don't make anything now doing this. And I got to work with you and put up with you. Yes, sign me up. Sign me up five years, 251 million. I yeah, might bring I you along you, with me. I told me. you he was upset. Man. I might bring I you. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him today, but he, but he is PO. Hey, great. I, I, I love him when he's fired up like this. I might bring you along with me. All right. Worst. I, I'm interested to hear what you got to say here. This is, this is a really good one. You came up with a good question for once. Worst or most questionable Supermax signing? So I'm going to. This was a tie for me. I'm going to save Bradley Beal for the next question because we're going to talk about him and whether or not the DC move was the right move or not. I'm going to, and that's the low hanging fruit. I know you hate that, but I'm going to go with the Blazers signing Anthony Simons to a four year, $100 million deal. I just don't understand what they are thinking they're going to get out of him. One, you look at his success last year. He was a microwave score that was inefficient on a ton of volume and where does that volume come from going forward if Damian Lillard is there? Because Portland is still selling itself as, oh, come join Dame. This is a big three destination. Our championship window is still open. They're not in full rebuild mode yet. So I don't know why you give this guy this kind of money based on what he did last year when none of the stars were there. And then, of course, it's easy to say he's not a good defender. And how does he fit next to Dame, who is also another volume dependent scorer? So can Simons be more effective on less volume when we've seen him be ineffective on a lot of volume? I just don't understand where his value is going to come from when Dame comes back, Nurkic is back, and they're probably going to bring in another superstar. And then also Jeremy Grant is there. So where, where does his usage get even close to where it was last year to where it justifies this deal? So, JT, I think you bring up great points in terms of how does he fit 
and can he be efficient and what about the defense and what happens when Dame comes back? All really good points. But I think looking at the deal, we see the big number and we think, oh my goodness, that's a lot. To be honest, nowadays, four years, 100 million, that's not a max contract. Like that's not a lot. Jalen Brunson just got that same thing. Like, and I understand Brunson's more of a veteran, probably a better player right now. But, Bron- but-, but they're, they're, they're paying him with the, with the thought of he's going to be used like a $100 million player. Like it's going to be and, him and uh, it's going to be him and Barrett if they can find a way to move Randall, but right. they, they brought but, him in so that he can do more things. Right. But who's to say that when Dame comes back, it's not Dame and Sims, right? McCollum, would you have been okay paying this to McCollum? That's the way they're looking at it, right? Dame and CJ. Now it's just Dame and, yeah, but and Anthony. Seen- but that, but that goes to I've seen McCollum do it longer, and I, I know what I know what he is. Like this is the first time people are even hearing about Simons. Well, if you followed the NBA this year, it's not because when they went know, down, we know he, that. Yeah, he stepped but, up. But that's what they love. That's what they loved, and they're saying, "Hey, let's lock him in four years. Let's let this guy start to kind of take over the team." But I'm going to go with the guy that you mentioned last week. The most questionable. It's not the worst. I think the most questionable was the Pelicans signing Zion. JT, listen to these numbers. He's three years in the league, 85 games. What if I told you I would pay Greg Oden the contract that Zion just got? Five years, 193 million, up to 231 million. What if I told you I was going to sign Greg Oden after he finished three years? What would you tell me? I'd say you're crazy. Exactly. So, you know, in three years, Odin played 82 games. Zion's only played three more. So this, this myth, this fantasy that everything's going to be okay. I see Zion dunking on Instagram. He's okay. You know, he's, he's got he's got it in good shape. He has a good workout program. Like, what are we talking about? The dude still can't hit threes, right? He's not shooting from outside. Yes, he's explosive. But again, the health issue. 85 games in three years, only three more than Greg Oden. And he was going, and then the timing of it bothers me. He was going to be a restricted free agent next year. What does that mean, JT? It means that, yes, he'd be a free agent, but any team that offered him a deal, the Pelicans could match the contract. And in fact, they could offer more than any other team because he's there. He's he, um, they're his original team. So why do it now? Let him see, let him prove it next year. See what he can do. See if he can stay healthy. See if he can lead this team into the future, into the playoffs, get a series victory before you give five years, 193 million. And it I can mean, turn into like 220, right? Right. 231 is what yeah, it can 231. turn into. So granted, next year you may have to pay a little more for him, but I would feel more comfortable because I could see that he did it for a whole year. And this is why I'm glad you referenced what we were talking about on the last show where I was saying it was the one player that you should trade for or um, go after a free agency. And I I'd said Zion and people were like, what? Like, why? I was like, because the Pelicans being willing to give him a deal like this, despite the great, great injury analysis that you gave, tells you, one, 
the talent that he possesses, they see him in the of building course. every day. So. But so did Greg Oden. No, no, Greg, Greg, Greg. Whoa, 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 whoa. He on, was drafted me. in front of Kevin Durant. Yeah, so don't yeah, tell me anything yeah, about but, not yeah, having but, talent. Yeah, but, Greg, but Greg Oden. The guy Greg, had Greg, talent. Greg Oden's potential, nobody ever thought him and Zion were in the same space. Like, people were expecting Zion to be, like, the next, like, I'm not saying he will be Zion LeBron. Zion can't but, shoot the but three. He, but, he, but he is that next exciting player like that. So. I told you, I told you that I'm gonna say it again. It has more to do of how people around the league in league circles and teams and GMs still feel about his upside and potential. They forced the Pelicans hand inside him because trust me, there are more people willing to trade for Zion than Kyrie. It's probably easier to get Zion than KD. So that makes him a ridiculous commodity. And that's why I said if I was a team and I had the ammo to go get somebody, it'd be him just because. It says a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna use a terrible analogy, but it says a lot about the girl and the guy that are in a relationship. And it seems from the outside, it's so, it's so bad. But this guy keeps going back to this girl, and he always he always wants her around. Something is bringing him back. It might be toxic. It might be him. It might be her. I don't know. But there might be some gold there. So the fact that the Pelicans put it out that they are were willing to commit to him long term, even with the injury history says a lot about his upside and his his perception around the league so i can get with you on questionable worse absolutely not but this is something they had to do because well, you can make the I, say you can make the same argument about john Morant because he signed a rookie max extension now he's definitely played more games but he's starting to be more banged up than than you would like and i don't see anybody batting an eye about that signing i i did preface it that it was the most questionable i get it i get All it right. okay so you mentioned Bradley Beal earlier. So did I. Did Bradley Beal, him personally, make a mistake staying in D.C.? I had this all all planned out, and then you kind of shot it down just because, yeah, I mean, for him, though, if you're talking about money. But that because, was the question. Yeah, you, I'm you torn. Take everything I'm in. Torn. All right, make I'm a torn. decision. We don't, we don't pay you to just be torn and be a maybe guy. You don't pay me anything, but – we can't I, see, I can't answer this question selfishly because I just really don't get it. Like, does he want to win championships? Like, 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 what is the goal here? If if I'm looking at it glass half empty, I'm like, cool, he gets paid. Yeah, he made the right move. But if it's about, look, do you want to win championships and, you know, add to your legacy? Then no, he didn't make the right move. Like, tell me there's not a scenario where he's playing this year in Washington and him and Kristaps Porzingis are shut down by March. Like, 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 how does that enhance your legacy? So I just don't get why he, he went back to Washington, but I'm going to have to assume it's strictly for the money and so he can put up his stats. So I'm going to say, yes, if that's the way I'm looking at it, he made the right move. Listen, one, he made the right move because of, what I say? $251 million in the, next the, five the, years. the number is so big you forgot, huh? <laughs> How, how, you, you, you know, know what, what it was? You know what it was? You were thinking about, you know what? If I had that much money, I could leave this dude and I don't have to hear him talking no more. That's what you were thinking about. But yeah, five years, $250 million. Let, let me break it down. Two main reasons why. One is the money. $251 million reasons. That's what? $50 million a year, JT. Again, as long as it's in the NBA playing with a team, it doesn't matter because you're making $251 million and that's the most anyone could offer him. Don't forget that. So the second main reason is KD gave him the blueprint. KD says, sign the max extension, the super max extension. 
And then if you're not happy in a year, complain, make a request. They're going to have to trade you and you're still 30. And if you produce the way you have been, someone will make a deal for Bradley Beal, especially after this season, once they see how close they are to a title, whether it's an up and coming team, maybe the Dallas Mavericks, maybe it's somebody else out of the East that now is making a run, maybe the Toronto Raptors and they want to move Siakam like, or OG, like those are the two reasons, the money. And guess what? You're not locked in on five years. KD just proved you have the power on a super max to move and someone will figure out the cap. Maybe you're Miami heat. Pat Riley doesn't get the big whale this time. Next year, he makes the move for Bradley Beal if Beal asks for a request. So right, he's well, in a win-win situation. He's going to make the money, and eventually, if he's not happy, he's going to play where he wants to play. Real quick, do you think he ends the season in Washington? Good question. I think he does because I think more momentum occurs during the offseason as we've seen. All right, cool. I can get with that. Uh, we got one last question here, of course, of course. JT, got to throw this in. Did New Orleans make a mistake signing Zion? No. For the obvious reasons we've talked about, one, his upside is through the roof. You can tell by the way they've talked about extending him before this, even with the extensive injury history. Also, too, it tells you how people feel around him, about him around the league, that this is somebody that they would make a move for. That's why I said if I was a team and I had the ammo, I would go get Zion Williamson out of all the players just because I feel his upside is still through the roof. And I think he could have been had. But I'll tell you another reason why I think they did the right move as far as like the Pelicans. One, can you imagine if they let him go? This is now two number one overall generational talents. The other one being Anthony Davis that you just couldn't make it work with and they have left and you probably let them leave and not getting anywhere near, you know, similar compensation to what you should be getting. So I think just from like the PR hit they would have taken, they had to make this move. And that alone, that they were able to make it work with a guy like Zion, who they were publicly on the rocks with, made it work, made them even want to come back and play, sign a long-term deal. I think it's a huge win for them. And it's, a, it's definitely the right move. Listen, they couldn't let him walk. Of course not, JT, but they didn't have to at this time. The, the reason why I say it's not a good signing is because the timing of it. Why now, JT? Guess what happens? If he comes back and something disastrous happens to him in terms of we've seen the history of his injuries, let's say it's continually is the foot or the knee, like you've now given up, what was it, four years, five years? Like, that money is gone. What if he can't play again? He's only played eight. He's played one season out of three. Think about that. You're just ignoring the history of him. You're ignoring statistics. Statistics shows he's played one out of three seasons. What in your mind leads you to believe that as he gets older, now that injuries have piled up, that he's going to stay healthy. He's going to play 70 plus games. He's going to play into the playoffs. He's going to be as explosive. He's going to keep his weight down, and he's going to be injury-free. What, what tells you that? Because if, if you have any doubt, you let him play out this year. Why make the move now, JT? That's my question. You talk about, well, other teams want him. Big deal. He's under contract. You're not going anywhere. So why now, JT? Tell me why they should have signed him now as they did. 
You, you haven't convinced me of that. You've convinced me why in the future, but not this offseason. Why? I, I just think there was so much pressure on them. What One, pressure? I, there's no, pressure on Brooklyn and KD. I feel, I feel who like are flying under the radar. I feel like there's pressure on them to make this whole Zion doesn't like us thing go away. And also, I think you're underestimating how many teams were probably calling about him. And there's all it's only They're a matter of time. No, They're it's calling only, now. It's, it's only a matter of time before that went public and they lose any kind of leverage. And also, I think they really want him to stay in New Orleans. And I think when you really want somebody to be there, they drafted they 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 got lucky and got the lottery pick number one overall to draft they this did. kid. Like they it, it's it's the AD effect. It's like, you know, we, I don't we'll do anything, we'll overcorrect to make sure this doesn't happen again. Thank you. They overcorrected. You've you've answered my point or you've made my point. Go ahead. Wow. This guy. Well, he, I told you, I, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know what he had to drink. <laughs> Dude is pissed off. Clearly, I, I'm in I'm in fear for my life right now. You you all right? Do we do we need to take an intermission? One, we're in separate rooms. Two, you know I don't drink, so let's go. Next question. No intermission. We don't Imagine need breaks. if he did, you guys. We, wow. We don't need Speaking breaks. Of, Speaking of questionable timing, uh, Utah Jazz agreed to trade Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, my guy, Leandro Bolomaro, hope I said his name right, and four first-round picks, and three of those are unprotected, and one is top five protected. So with all that being said, will Rudy Gobert leaving Utah, will that fix the Jazz chemistry now that he and Donovan Mitchell are separated? I mean, maybe the chemistry, because it doesn't seem like those two guys have gotten along for the past couple of years. So maybe the chemistry is fixed a little bit, JT, in terms of just like in the locker room, guys being able to, to be themselves and not, you know, walking on eggshells around, you know, the, that friendship or what was that friendship. But to me, the results on the court are going to be the same. Like, if not, maybe not quite as good, right? Like, you'll get to a playoffs. You'll make a playoff appearance. Maybe you win one series, maybe. And then you lose to better talent. Like, and you forget, Quinn Snyder is no longer the coach. And I, I went back and looked. He had a pretty good winning percentage after that first year or two. Like, really good the last three years, almost averaging 50 wins a year. And again, so maybe they – and that's where I go back to. I don't even know if the chemistry gets fixed because now Quinn Snyder's not even there to help the chemistry. It seemed like he's a really good NBA coach. Yeah, um, the, the, the Quinn Snyder thing is actually really interesting because my answer to this will be, I'll let you finish, but no, long, story, no, long story short, my answer to this is I really don't know, and I should take it a step further. I don't even think it matters. And Quinn Snyder being gone is, is a big thing because you secretly look at what the Jazz have been doing. Like, it looks like they're breaking down this team for a rebuild. Like they sent what Royce O'Neal to Brooklyn for a first round pick makes no sense. If you're trying to just get rid of Gobert to fix the chemistry issues, send away Gobert, which I totally disagree with. And they're shutting down trade talks for Donovan Mitchell, but I think they're just waiting to see what happens with KD to gauge the market. Like they don't want to play themselves. So other than Donovan Mitchell staying there, like Quinn Snyder being gone is a, is a, is a red flag giveaway to me. Like it just seems like they're going for a rebuild and I don't think that matters, but the question was, will Rudy Gobert not being there fix the Jazz chemistry? And I'm like, what is the Jazz chemistry? Like, I don't know. And it has everything to do with me being skeptical about Donovan Mitchell. Like, you just look at him. I feel everyone's always like, oh, you know, he's such a good player. And I'm like, yeah, he's talented. But what am I actually giving him props for? Like, he's a volume scorer whose defense is getting lazier every year. 
And another thing is, am I sure that he's worth all this trouble? Like, what has he done to have the cachet to get another all-star just sent away to Siberia? Like, who is Donovan Mitchell to come to me and say, yeah, I don't want this other all-star, get rid of him. Like, he's not Jordan. So I'm not even sure Rudy Gobert is the problem much more than is it just Donovan Mitchell is filling himself a little bit too much and and the media is you know ascending him to the superstar status maybe too soon and I'm, I really don't know about this question because I I'm, I'm really hesitant to give much credence to is the chemistry really that bad I'm sorry Michael Jordan was punching people in practice and they found a way to win so what's Donovan Mitchell's excuse well, I think the chemistry gets fixed anytime you have two guys that are not on the same page and, and don't see eye to eye and, and don't have that cordial relationship and you're the two stars of the team. Come on, there's going to be tension. Look at John Wall and Bradley Beal. I would say if you ask the Washington locker room right now, they're in a much happier place without the friction between Wall and Beal, right? Yeah, but they're oh. also in the basement. And they've but, been but that's in the basement my point. that didn't but, work. But that's my point. They were in the basement pretty much with those guys because one guy was hurt or they couldn't get along or they were an eight seed. So that's my whole point. Yeah, chemistry will get fixed in Utah, but without Quinn Snyder and now without Rudy Gobert, I mean, there's I just only don't so see much. how they're better. That's why, that's why I'm calling a rebuild. But, but that's what – but you're mistaking chemistry for results. And I told you, chemistry fixed maybe – but results are not going to be any better. Actually, they're going to be worse without Quinn Snyder and Rudy Gobert, an all-star yeah, center Quinn, in the middle. Quinn Snyder, even to me, is very, very suspicious. Yeah, I mean, either he saw this rebuild coming, as you said, or, or they told him. Or, or they told him, or he didn't want to deal with that locker room anymore, not knowing that they were going to move one of those two guys, maybe. All right, so... Let's go back because we never really got a chance to do a, a review of the NBA draft. We did the preview, um, but not a review. So no better time than the present since we've spoken a lot about the NBA and, and JT's always willing to go back and criticize teams. So what was the best pick? Man, I don't know. I don't know what you have for lunch, breakfast, dinner, but. I don't know. You on a roll, man. This is the funniest. This is the funniest I ever seen you. By the way, I've known this guy for years, and he's he's not funny, and he's never been funny. But today you're funny. I I I don't know. I don't know what happened. Whatever you whatever you took today, get more of it. It makes it fun. I don't have to talk as much. It's just funny listening to you go off on your little tirades. So best pick, I think you got to go with Jaden Ivy, a guy who we said one could have been the best player in the draft, and then also that was the one player that we thought had the chance to be an immediate star out of this class. So to get him at number five is crazy. But another reason why I think that was the best pick is they picked them right after the Sacramento Kings. And history tells us the Kings are basically like the good luck Chuck of the NBA draft. Like if you go after them, your pick has a legitimate shot to hit like a lot of, like a lottery ticket. So just look at the guys that they did not pick that went right after them. Guys like Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, Bam, Trey Young, Sabonis, who you love, uh, Potal, Clay Thompson, Devin Booker, like the list goes on and on. So just that list alone tells me that Jaden Ivey will be the best pick and he will also be a superstar. Dang, that's some good research. You do that yourself? Boy, please don't play with me. That's good research. Wow. Um, I got to hand that to you. Well, you know how much I like Ivy, but listen, best pick, Chet Holmgren. Again, I've mentioned it before, but, but the guy I want to talk about in terms of, I think, best pick, 
best value by far. And I think he's going to be, he's going to be really good in the NBA. And we're going to be talking about this for a while. Jaden Hardy, second round 37th overall. Listen, he went to the G league, right? JT. But had he come out the year before straight out of high school, a lot of people are saying he would have been a top three pick in that draft. All right. He was a five-star recruit, five-star recruit. And in the G league, which you basically say is like a pro league, because guys want to see what they're made out of, 17.7 points a game. That's pretty good. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's 18, 19 years old at the, at the oldest and comes and almost scores 18 a game against pros. Like, that is really good. And I think the other thing is where he's going. You always say it's about the situation. He's going to a great situation in Dallas. He's a great fit for that team because, listen, he needs to do just one thing, JT, for them. Score. However he can do it. Outside, cutting to the hoop, getting a pass from Luka, getting a putback rebound. However he has to do it, that's all he has to worry about. Luka will take care of the rest. Luka will take care of the heat, the pressure, right, from the media. And that's all this guy has to do is do what he does best, is score. And it's a great fit. He's got a lot of talent. And they got him in the second round, 37th I love, overall. I love how you all, like, you say I, I never know what I'm talking about. But you use a lot of my, uh, what do you call it? You use a lot of my sayings when you want to make your point. It, it's, I, it, I'm flattered that that subconsciously you're admitting that I'm right about things. So I, I appreciate that. But you're right. I, I mean, I didn't even think about the selection. Dallas is if you're good on offense, Dallas is a hell of a place to land because they they need more scores. They need people to take the pressure off of Luca. So him, exactly. Christian Wood, uh, Tim Harley, if he comes back it, healthy, and they just lost Jalen Brunson, so I mean they're going to yeah. need someone to fill that fill that scoring um, at least off the bench immediately. So and I think he I'm, can do it. I'm really interested to see. I know we're going to get to it. If that's not your sleeper pick, damn this dude go way into the draft. I, I got a better one for sleeper pick. All right, all right. So worst pick. Okay, look, I know that when you're picking in the 20s, it's basically a crapshoot. So I get that people are going to swing. But if you're going to swing, don't hit a single. Hit a home, try to hit a home run. And it's the Nuggets taking Christian Braun, the guard from Kansas, at pick 21. You like, have no respect it. for him, man. Even while we were watching it, the it, Miami it Kansas my game. Notes say, I don't think anybody from that Kansas team is an NBA level starter. And I just don't. And we saw that when they played Miami. I know we're salty, but we saw that when they played they beat Miami us by 25 in the tournament. But Miami don't have NBA starters either. But I just admit it, like nobody jumped off that screen in that game where I'm like, all right, cool. I can see that guy being an NBA starter. And I just I just he's not one of those guys I a see lot, like a lot of a lot of people think a job he is though. Yeah. He's six seven doesn't do anything special. And if you think about it, like, how does this pick help Jokic and the Nuggets take the next step? Like, I don't see it, especially when there was other guys that would fit into that home run category. I don't know, guys like Wendell Moore, Ty Ty Washington, or you trade up one spot and get the guy who I like, uh, Malachi Branham, who was the Big Ten freshman of the year. So there's other guys that you could have picked in that in that slot that had way bigger upside than getting like a ho-hum Christian Braun. Like what you see is what you get. Well, I'm, I'm not going to call out just one player. Um, I'm going to more call out a team. And I think it was the Grizzlies. They had JT, they had four picks, two in the top 23. Like who are the two guys they drafted in the top 23? Do you even know? 
Um, I think they took some dude from Wake Forest, and I was like, who? And then um, they took – did they take a guy from LSU? See, I don't know, and you don't know. So that's my whole point. Like, it didn't impress us with those first-round picks, and you had two in the top 23, and you had four overall. And to me, the guy they did take in the first round, a lot of people were saying they took him too early. So if that's the case, you had four picks. You took one in the first round that was too early? Like what, like, what is your scouting department doing here? What, what is your goal and, and what is your strategy moving forward that you were going to sign John Moran? Like, I don't feel that they brought in good fitting pieces to help John Morant, Desmond Bain, you know, move, move forward and, and continue to improve. So I've got the Grizzlies for their draft. All right. It's nothing against the players. It's just the strategy who and when they selected those players and how they fit. So, JT, this is why we pay you the big bucks. Everyone wants to know your sleeper pick. I feel like I'm usually good with these because on our on our previous draft show, my sleeper was Tyrese Maxey. So that's worked out pretty well. I feel like I know who your sleeper pick's going to be, but he kind of went really early. So I don't know if he's a oh, sleeper. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Who do you think it is? I think it's Sharp. No, even though I, I, I love I love Shaden Sharp, it's, it's not him. Okay, I I just brought it up. It's Malachi Branham, the guard from Ohio State. One, you just said it. It's all about fitting where you land. He went to the Spurs, but the one thing I want to know is how do you get the Big Ten Freshman of the Year at number twenty? Think about it. Any other year, a guy wins Freshman of the Year in that conference. Chances are he was probably a really good high school player, probably a lottery pick the season before coming out of high school. So how does he fall to number 20? I don't get it. And then I said, I'll say it again, landing with the Spurs, no DeJounte, no Lonnie Walker, Derek White's been gone. That means they have a major role for him to fill. So he's going to be coached by the best pop. They're going to need him to actually play. And I think he's talented. I mean, you you play well as a freshman in the Big Ten and basketball. I think that says a lot. I'm probably going to get hate for this. I think he could be like a D'Angelo Russell type light get for them. Like, I, I just don't understand how you win freshman of the year in a conference like that and people aren't thinking lottery. Like, they took guys that didn't even play in college basketball last year over him. And I think that's going to be a mistake. Landing perfect spot with the Spurs. They know how to evaluate talent, especially guards. I think this is a perfect match, and I think he's my sleeper pick. Okay. I like that one. That's good. You you got me kind of sold. I like my pick better, but you got of me course. sold. Yeah, yeah, I'm not in the business of trying to convince you about a wrong shit because if that's the case, we wouldn't have a show. So, well, I mean, listen, if I'm always right compared to you, come on. So, I've got to go with Patrick Baldwin Jr., all right, drafted by Golden State, late first round. He's the sleeper because – JT, you, he's 6'10", 231, right? He's a skilled jump shooting forward, which is what they need. They have guards. They need that forward that can shoot, right? 6'10", tall. But again, we talk about, we've been talking about fit and situation. JT, he's a perfect fit for them. Not only is he what they need, but they are what he needs because going late in the first round, first round talent, there's no pressure. He's going to the world champs. Kaminga's already there. Moody's already there. They just keep piling on this young talent. And listen, he was a top 10 prospect in the 2021 high school class. All right. 
And then he played for his father at Milwaukee. He could have went to a lot of different schools, almost any school, decided to play for his father at Milwaukee. And so, it didn't work out. It almost it, cost him. And it didn't work out. But that's my thing. Like, I don't think it's going to get any worse for the guy. He went to Milwaukee, didn't quite work out. And I think he's he's learned that adversity. And he has the – we talk about this all the time. He comes from that pedigree of professional athletes because his father played at Northwestern and was actually a EuroLeague standout, as they say. Now, it wasn't the NBA, but still, you know he's this guy. somewhere, pro. He's, he, his, his father played somewhere – meaning now that Patrick Baldwin Jr. has been around the game, has been around professional basketball pretty much probably his whole life, and he knows the way it is. He knows he needs to buy his time but work hard, and I think that his support system, meaning at home with his family, and then with the Golden State Warriors, his other support system, I think this guy can succeed, and that's why I like it being a sleeper pick because maybe not on the surface he didn't stand out, but at the end of the day – him going through that Golden State Warrior program, maybe he is like a Clay Thompson, but at the forward position. I just think you like any player that is a junior. Like every year he picks a junior. It's like, oh, this junior, Dwayne something junior, Michael Porter junior. Like if you got junior in your name, you're going to find And Griffey junior. But look at all the guys. <laughs> Gary Payton junior. I mean, I mean it's, it's endless. You've got to go with them. Bro, I promise you, if you change your name to junior, you'll get so much airtime on this show. He'll pick you. But – Hey, would my that. name go first on the show if it was Don Jr. and JT? I don't know, man. You got to talk to the powers that be about that. I don't make those kind of decisions. I actually like that pick, but if, if we're going that way, I'm I'm saying I'm rooting for somebody like a Marjan Bo, uh, Bochamp. Like, you want to talk about overcoming adversity. He was actually – it was tough for me to pick between those two, but I think I like the upside talent-wise of my pick, but – I, I wouldn't be shocked if you see a guy like Bochamp start to take on like a Jimmy Butler type persona like down the line. So I like him too. All right. So we're going to wrap this up with quick hitters. We're going to see if you can actually follow the rules quick. So NBA free agency officially started 6 PM on June 30th. There is no other free agent offseason like the NBA. Like it's crazy. So things happen fast, often, and even sometimes players change their minds. Hence why my phone just blew up, <laughs> blew up on June 30th and it hasn't recovered since. So let's get some more opinions and reactions on free agency so far. So best signing by a team. Zach Levine by the Bulls. All right. I got Jokic locking up the reigning MVP. Takes top spot. Uh, worst move. Thunder signing Lou Dort. Five years, 87 and a half million. You got that? That's exactly what I have. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even share notes. Oh, Dude, I man. Pro- I promise. I promise. This is how you can tell we play too much fantasy basketball. The fact that you pick Lou Dort tells me who, who we're definitely either we're not drafting we're, or we're going to trade, have to use it as a trade bait. We're year. staying away, staying away from him. Yeah, I will say this real quick. I don't Poor understand efficiency. why, they, Poor I don't understand why efficiency. they gave him a five year, $87 million deal just to shut him down by February and tank for, was it Victor Wimabayana? I've I never pronounced his name right, but. Like, like, why would you pay him just to tank and shut him down? And he's not even an option with Chet Shai, Poku, and Giddy ahead of him. That That is baffling. Um, most likely, this move is the one that most likely puts a team over the top and jettisons them toward a title. It's got to be Malcolm Brogdon to the Celtics. They made that trade for him. It was not a signing. It was a trade. Um. I want to go – the easy answer is whoever signs KD, but that hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to actually give an answer. 
I think it's Rudy Gobert. And I think him being there with Cat allows Cat to be more versatile where he doesn't have to play all the minutes down low. And I think it kind of makes them dangerous and it might open up more for him and uh, Anthony Edwards. So I like that. See, the reason why I can't say that quite yet, what do I always say, JT? They got to go through their lumps. But do you see them getting through Golden State with Gobert? Maybe that would have to get through Golden State, though. But it's the West. They're going to have to. Yeah, but maybe somebody else take them out because Golden State barely got through the through the Grizzlies, ah, so you just never the, know. The doubters, hey, Steph Curry, remember this. Come next year when you're winning the title, please call out JT. Call him out. Yes, call, call out. me personally on air to call me out. I'll let you do it. Trust me, I'll, uh, I'll have no issues with that. Call me. Um, this was the toughest one for me because I it feel was. like you could have chose like 10 people. I agree. So Or none. This, 10 or yeah. none. It depends on how you look at it. Yeah, I'm calling this the mid-level hero. So this is a mid-tier <laughs> guy that will pay the most dividends. I'm going to go with our guy from the UJT, Bruce Brown, Denver Nuggets. I mean, it, I, I think him and KCP are going to play that same position, but Bruce Brown is going to give you that defense. He's going to give you whatever you need, and that's what Denver has needed because I think they'll get Jamal Murray back, Porter back. They need that guy that can do a little bit of everything and help in all those little areas. So Bruce Brown. I like that. I like Bruce Brown. I think he's Ben Simmons that can shoot free throws. <laughs> he's just six four. Wow. I mean, that's a pretty big compliment, though. It really yeah, is. I mean, I mean, Ben Simmons is a number one overall guy. You've seen how much teams want him. He's He's been traded, was, was part of the process. I mean, Bruce Brown, Ben Simmons – Plus, he makes his free throws. I mean, that's I mean, a, that's a pretty good compliment. I mean, is is it a is it a stretch to say that if the Nets didn't have Bruce Brown last year, they don't make the play in they, spot? They struggle a lot. They yeah. do. He, he yep. held them together. So I he like did. Bruce. Bruce showed me a lot. Yep. So I, I like that because you know we're Kane's guys. So I, I can't knock you on that. Mine is actually I'm shocked that he even went back to this team. It's Tyus Jones re-signed with the Grizzlies, two years, mm. thirty million dollars. Like this is literally the best backup point guard in the NBA. And it's good for them because now you have a star guard that's all of a sudden just getting all these injuries. And I'm not sure if John Morant's going to hold up a full season. So this is like, you want to talk about Jacoby Brissett being like your ultimate insurance package. Like Tyus Jones is as good as it gets with backup point guards. Look what he did last year as a starter, 12.6 assists, three rebounds in 23 games. Like imagine if his usage goes up, you know, forbid, John Morant gets hurt for an extended period of time. Like they could just plug him in. And I think that's the part of the reason why their record was better when Morant was hurt was because they had a guy like Tyus Jones that was able to come in and run the offense. Oh, look at you with this research tonight. That's twice you brought out the stats. Oh, what's going on here? Which, what you want me to do? You, you always complaining about do the research. You say that you say I can't wing it no more. Like I think I do better when I wing it, but you're forcing you do. me. To, you, you, you do better me when to, you wing. You're forcing me to incorporate analytics into my repertoire. And I'm not really appreciating it, but I'll do anything to not be bullied. I'll tell you what. Uh, listen, I don't bully you. That that's 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 a farce. But I know. So I know. Real quick. Um, other guy I was really struggling to put on this list that was just real close was the speaking of your Warriors, Dante DiVincenzo, two years, 9.3 million. You want to talk about the rich get richer? Damn, you just lose Gary Payton Jr. So now you get Dante DiVincenzo, who is a better scorer, probably the same level of defender. Man, like that's probably gonna end up being the mid-level hero when it's all said and done. Cause I feel like Dante is gonna allow them to do so much. 
Yeah, possibly. That that is a good move. I mean, listen, it's again, he's going to the right situation. He's bound to have success some way, somehow, if he stays healthy, right? Like yeah. we know he can play. It's just can he stay healthy and he's going to have success there. Just depends on whether he can stay healthy. So all right, JT. And I mean, listen, you were like quick hitters, blah, blah, blah. And then you took forever on the mid-level hero. Are you done with it? Final? Are you want me to keep going? I mean, no, also, it was quick also, hitters. thing about my mid-level hero. Oh, Anthony Melton is gone. So his numbers are just going to go up anyway. He's going to get more usage. I could talk forever about my guy. Once again, JT failed at quick hitters, even though he always calls me out on it. He introed the segment. He ended the segment. And everywhere in between, just forgot the whole reason for why they call it quick hitters. So on that note, let me end the show. All right, JT, even though the ending there, you didn't really knock it out of the ballpark, but great episode as always. All right, and to the fans and listeners out there, thank you for listening as always. And remember to please subscribe to us, JT and the Don All Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcast and remember if you like what we do leave us a five-star review and jt if you don't like what we do leave us a five-star review and remember to please follow us on social media our handle jt and the dawn you can find us on instagram tiktok twitter and facebook so jt in all honesty great episode man it was a lot of fun and until the next episode see you peace